Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Albion Obsessed podcast. This is a little special um, segment we've got uh, with Stateside Seagulls, who I'm sure most of you guys listening um, follow them on Twitter. Uh, and we're going to get a little um, view into the the other side of the pond today um, and ha- how we come about um, being recognised over there. So, because uh, uh, obviously, you know, we're a, a small club in terms of uh, following um but it's just crazy that we've got fans all over the world now because you know you think back 15 years 20 it is years really even, crazy actually you, yeah. you wouldn't imagine us talking to an american fan who you know has started following the club because of the because of our story it's just, it's just great so um we've got aaron with us today how are you mate i'm good thank you joe not too bad mate how are you good yeah i'm all right mate uh and we've also got curtis Splendid as per usual, yes. Perfect. Um, and as I said, we introduced Paul there. Um, so, Paul, how are you? How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Yeah, yeah, we're very all good. good. Uh, very, very feeling very positive after the Watford result. Um, we we did a little podcast yesterday. We're pumping out the content at the moment. We've got one as well on Wednesday after the Man United game, and obviously Burnley coming up. So yeah, lots of content coming up. Um, but I, I guess we'll just delve into um, sort of uh, your perspective then, Paul. So how did you come about following the Albion? Has it been something in, in your family or did you just did we just catch your eye? Yeah, I, I always get asked the question. I can never remember exactly what possessed me to follow Brighton in the first place. It was probably, you know, if I'm thinking back, it was probably seeing the logo on FIFA and being like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's a seagull. Okay, sure. <laughs> But, um, you know, I definitely never wanted to be a top six follower of Chelsea, Man United, that just kind of seemed boring. And, like, I was following, like, over here in baseball, like, I was following the Yankees, just following money. Um, so I, I knew I wanted to kind of follow an underdog. Brighton, I guess, caught my eye at some point and uh, started following in the 2012-2013 season. Just kind of kept up with the scores on the BBC. Couldn't watch any games or listen to any games over here. But just kind of followed along and I it always pains me to say it but that playoff semi-final against Palace obviously we don't need to talk about what happened in it no, but that no. just that that feeling of camaraderie that feeling of excitement I didn't really understand the rivalry at that point but just everybody seemed so energized around the Albion and the community aspect of it and that just really made me feel like, okay, yeah, this is my club. And, and being really disappointed and kind of upset and mad that we lost to Palace, it was like, okay, yeah. yeah, this isn't just me following a club. This is me actually like having an emotional reaction. So, yeah, this is my club now. Yeah, definitely. So you, you say that was the moment you, you believed that that it was your club. Um, before yeah. that, obviously, that, that season was, was a great season. Our last under Gus Poyet. Um, so, um, how, how did you feel watching the other games in that season? Um, or did, did you get to watch highlights and things like that? I would watch highlights here and there, but it really wasn't until the, uh, the semifinal that I really actually paid attention during a match day. So I would right. just, you know, check to see, okay, Brighton won today. Cool. Oh, yay. Okay. But, you know, it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, I would, you know, try to find a VPN and listen to BBC Sussex somehow. It was just kind of, you know, okay. Brighton one cool and then the yeah. semi-final happened and it was like oh this is like actually important I should probably pay attention to this wow okay so obviously then 
what happened in the playoffs, as you say, we we definitely don't talk about. But uh, the the season after that, then obviously, um, Gus left. Um, was you um, obviously? I, I don't suppose you knew much about Gus then, or did you do some research um, when you sort of fell in love? I did just kind of basic research. I, I knew. I knew how I didn't necessarily know at that point in terms of the history of the club or Gus's history or the team itself, yeah. but I, you, I knew like, okay, we might be in the premier league. So, you know, I knew at that point, like, okay, we can watch premier league games. I know that's a, it's a big competition. So Brighton's obviously on the cusp of something, but I didn't know how yeah. important that was until, you know, I definitely read into the history of the club, what happened in the nineties. And, and that really kind of made me even more, you know, appreciative of, how much of a community it was because I, you know, coming into it, I was like, okay, yeah, this is a really close knit community club. It's small, but I kind of figured it's just small. So that's why it's a, such a community focused club, but, you know, learning about the history, learning about, you know, how much everybody involved in the club is, is gone through in terms of getting even to a place where you would be a, a, decent championship club let alone you know where we are now in the premier league i mean it's just it's crazy <laughs> yeah it's absolutely mental and curtis i know you was buzzing for for this and to have our american uh, guys on on the podcast and yes. um, mm-hmm. so I, I just wondered if you had any sort of burning questions yeah i mean i was going to ask um before you sort of discovered brighton and what have you were you into sport in general uh have you always sort of enjoyed that sort of thing yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge sports fan. So I grew up in Baltimore. I'm in Baltimore. So huge Orioles fan in baseball. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same type of situation with Brighton. Obviously, there's no promotion relegation, but the Orioles are a historically significant club, but we haven't won anything since 1983. Um, I've never seen, I've seen the Orioles make the playoffs three times in my entire life. So, you know, it's that kind of you know, just underdog mentality. Um, and so I, I think that that probably led to me becoming a Brighton fan in terms of just wanting to find that underdog, a, a club with, you know, some history, but also that isn't, you know, going to buy titles and just kind of compete for the top four and not really care about anybody else. Um, I wanted that kind of, that community focus family yeah. club that really tries to actually engage with the fans and, and be part of the community instead of just kind of a money maker. 100%. Are, are you surrounded then by people um, over there that, that also like football and support different Premier League clubs or even um, like lower in championship clubs or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. So that's really why I kind of started to get into soccer was that soccer was kind of burgeoning in popularity when I was growing up here. And obviously it's exploded now. But you know, when I was growing up, people would around me would start to like follow Chelsea and Manchester United. So I would like start to watch the games. And obviously it was kind of then where I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. I want to do something else. But it was definitely getting into soccer, seeing soccer on TV, being able to, you know, go to DC United games. It's only about 40 minutes away from me. So being able to get into like MLS. Um, and then that just really kind of lent itself into, into Brighton and then being able to watch games on uh, on TV when they would show championship games at that point. And then obviously now we can watch every Premier League game whenever we want. So that's, you know, it's huge for soccer popularity pop- popularity here. And then also mm. huge for me becoming a fan in general. 
Yeah, definitely. And obviously good that we, we get into the Premier League and you can watch every Premier League game as well. Exactly. We, we're, we're in the same country and we don't get that pleasure. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, we, I know. <laughs> uh, we obviously do get the pleasure of actually getting to the ground and being season ticket holders, which, you know, is probably, you know, well, definitely um, better than watching on TV. But have you yeah. actually come over to the, the UK and, and been to the Amex yet at all? Yeah, so I've been twice. I came in 2016. I didn't get to go to a game at the Amex, but I went on a stadium tour at the Amex, kind of saw Brighton for the first time, the city Amazing. fell in love all over again, um, and went up to a match. I uh, went to Blackburn uh, in January 2016. Bobby Zamore scored. We won in the snow. That was my oh, first that. experience at a Brighton match, and that was just unbelievable being in the away end. It was craziness. Um, yeah. And then I actually got to be, uh, I got to come over to Brighton in 2018 for the Crystal Palace match. The three-one ten men. Oh, nice! The Amex. What an experience! I couldn't have picked yeah. a better one. <laughs> no, you couldn't. No, definitely not. Oh, been home and away, and they're probably well. The, the first one you got was probably the best introduction to English football in yes. the snow in mm-hmm. Blackburn of all places. So fair play <laughs> to you for that. Um, and obviously, yeah, that that Palace game we we talk we talk about that to death on this podcast. And um, yeah. just cutting back then to obviously, as you say that the first season you started supporting the club was uh, the first time we got into the playoffs in the Championship. Um, mm-hmm. So just looking at that, obviously the season after we got into the playoffs again. Um, how was your experience sort of following that season? And uh, obviously that the, the playoffs that season were very disappointing again. Um, but obviously that final day against Forest, what was you was you following that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So that season I was definitely making a more concerted effort to follow along. So I wasn't able to to watch games, but I would, you know, tune into BBC Sussex and listen to the games, follow along during a match day on Twitter or you know, on the, the website, checking out, you know, what was happening in the game. Um, and then that, that final day against Forrest, I definitely, I, I found a stream. I won't say where, um, but I found a stream, <laughs> was able to watch. Um, and I was in a dorm room at college at that point, And I probably woke everybody up that morning when, when Joe scored. It was, that was just an unbelievable moment. Probably one of the best moments that I've had supporting the the Albion because it was really the first time I was able to watch and then that iconic moment happened and it, it just really cemented at that point you know obviously the Crystal Palace matches in 2013 was like okay this is kind of the, the catalyst moment I'm a fan now the Ajoa moment against Forrest was this is my life now yeah yeah, well, welcome, and and we're we're sorry for the heartbreak that we've. Been <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, obviously now, uh, obviously riding high in the Premier League. Obviously, I, I could go through every season and in detail, but um, in 2017, finally we get to the promised land under Chris Hewton, um, and uh, your first game, obviously in 2016. So, um, how was that seeing finally seeing that squad? Um, was there other Albion fans around you at that time, or was you the only one getting to relish in that moment? Yeah, so I, I definitely made my family Albion fans just <laughs> as much as I could. Obviously, it's like hard to, to make somebody basically. exactly, exactly, <laughs> and especially when you, then when nobody over here is really able to watch on TV, it's hard to make somebody who's not into it get into it because it's like, oh yeah, here, listen to this radio station that I am listening to for half an hour or like an hour and a half every Saturday morning, but. uh yeah. But yeah, once we got into the Premier League, and obviously we in the Championship, on we have a maybe two or three matches a week in the Championship over here, 
Um, so we would be able to watch if the Albion were on at that point um, a couple of times. But until we got to the Premier League, it was definitely, you know, you had to actually make a concerted effort. You actually had to be a fan of the team. So there weren't really many fans around me. Um, it was actually in the 2016 season right before, um, I think right before Middlesbrough, actually, I made the Stateside Seagulls account. So yeah. I was just like, okay, I know I'm a fan here where we might get promoted this year. It's looking pretty good. Obviously we had to wait until the next season, but I should probably do something about this. I should try to find people. I knew that there were a couple people who would comment on things on the Albion Twitter account who are in like California or things, but I didn't know yeah. anybody else. And I wanted to see if there was actually people over here. And that obviously has exploded now that we're in the premier league. You know, I started just kind of trying to find anybody else crazy as me. And now it's, you know, we're, converting people over here and it's become absolutely massive so it's just it's really fun to see yeah i, I see fans in south africa australia obviously there's seagulls down under there's bha fc netherlands uh that mm. we're, we're dotted all over the globe now which is basically um, we're massive yeah we are we're yeah. we're bigger than we're bigger than leeds basically um <laughs> so uh obviously as you say you mentioned um that we're, we're branching out i i see a few like uh bhfc arizona uh, i've done a little <laughs> bit of graphic work for them so um when you made that account uh, obviously now it's got a, it's got a big following um when you made that account was you also getting in contact with people in the uk to sort of get some links over here as well yeah, definitely. So obviously the core idea of it was getting people over here, seeing if there was anybody over here, converting the people that I knew over here to be Albion fans. But it's always kind of been my goal, especially with the the history of the club and how much the community means to the club and vice versa. I didn't want it to just be like, oh, we're fans over here. We don't have any connection to the Albion. We just are fans. I definitely wanted to have that connection to the community. I wanted to be able to say, you know, we're doing things to benefit Brighton, not just be a fan, but actually get involved in the community. So we've definitely branched out, helps um, raise money for Albion in the community. Um, whenever we have fans go over, definitely, you know, check out the city. Don't just go to the game and, you know, go back up to London to catch your, pl catch your flight, check out Brighton, check out the, the local um, eateries and, and, pubs and everything it's you know it's a brilliant city i absolutely love it both times i've been couldn't have asked for a better experience and the people are so welcoming and obviously you guys having me on the pod and everything it's just been an unbelievable experience so you know it's definitely one of those things where it hasn't necessarily just been i want to create the fan base here and we don't think mm -hmm. about what brighton is like i want it yeah. to be integrated with what it's like to be an albion fan on the ground in brighton as well a huge fair play for that. Um, and obviously you say that you, that you do go into Brighton and w when you are here, I am going to press you uh, for your favourite place in Brighton then, except for the Amex. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'd love it if you said, you I know, love the I... sea. The sea's really cool. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, the only times I've been is are in January and December, so I haven't oh, actually oh. been in the water. But um, <laughs> he would, he would want to. Yeah, want yeah to. exactly, exactly, exactly. Oh man, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I so oh, can't remember. Oh, we went to a really good sandwich place, Hell's Kitchen, I think it was called. Okay. Really good. Um, it was kind of 
it was like a bagel sandwich. I don't know. It was just, it hit the spot. It was the morning before we got, we went to the game. So went to the pub the night before, had a few pints, definitely needed something <laughs> in the morning. And that just, that really, that really hit the spot. Living up the English, English style. We, we like exactly. that. Um, exactly. I feel like I'm dominating the conversation here, guys. I was uh, Aaron, Aaron, did you... actually, yeah, go, um, go on, Curtis. Well, I was going to ask, um, because you've, you've said you've gone to sort of local soccer games and what have you, how does that compare mm-hmm. to the games over here, uh, atmosphere wise and what have you? So. Yeah, it's, it's, different but not necessarily in a bad way i feel like the soccer culture here in america has definitely grown and grown up a little bit a lot in the in the past five ten years so i would go to dc united games in 2010 2011 and it was just kind of you know obviously there's a supporter section that kind of gets going and gets crazy and the stadium that we were in at that point was very old so that the stands would kind of rock when they were when they were going at it but that was it so like it was maybe 500 people and they would just kind of do their thing but then the rest of the stadium and it was a huge you know american football stadium so 60,000 seats only about 10,000 were actually wow. purposed for soccer and then maybe 5,000 were actually full of people um yeah. so it was very much a kind of like a baseball crowd I, very boring just kind of you know watching the game um but now you know, the past few, obviously I haven't been to a, a soccer game in the past few years because of the pandemic, but, you know, in 2019, last time I went, it was raucous. I mean, going to a, a DC United game, especially in the in the Wayne Rooney days when we had him and the team was good yeah. and everybody was kind of getting into the spirit of it. We had a new stadium. It was really exciting, chanting all the time, singing all the time. There's definitely a a different atmosphere too because it's a little bit more of a, a latin american influence in terms of the supporters section and, and in terms of the the support and the chants and, and the singing so it's not necessarily the same type of you know the same type of atmosphere as in english soccer but it's definitely a, a really exciting atmosphere to be in um i obviously i'm primarily a brighton fan i i do live DC United is my closest team, but it's also an hour away. So it's hard to kind of go to games and watch on TV because American TV rights are stupid. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's being at the Amex is definitely, I feel like it's that once in a lifetime experience, especially against Palace. So that was, you know, I'll, I'll have to go to a game against like Watford or something to see how it is <laughs> on a normal day instead of an absolutely crazy day. You can watch but... us lose 4-0 to Norwich or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll yeah. do that. I think I might sit that one out. But, <laughs> but yeah. No, say, it's, get, it's... get yourself over here for the Burnley game this coming Saturday. I'm sure exactly, that's going to be a cracker. Exactly. <laughs> that's going to be one that all fans will want to be at. That's for, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, the Brighton Bird's going to be at that game. So I'll oh, have Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Hope, hopefully I can sort of get get his get get him in a north stand and um see if uh, he can give us a little prediction before the game. Um yeah, get on the vlog. Exactly, so that, that'd exactly. be cool. Um you mentioned DC United, uh, just pulling it back to that. Uh, I yeah. saw a clip the other day um of Wayne Rooney absolutely hammering it back uh, to defend. Um he defended mm-hmm. um and then crosses the ball and you score like a ninety whatever minute. I thought yeah. that was just Absolutely epic. I was watching you know, the Wayne Rooney documentary. So, yeah. That's... Terrible, terrible thing about that game. I worked for DC United 2017, 2018 as kind of like a marketing 
being in the stadium during the games, event staff. And I left, so I got to the stadium, I think the game kicked off at around 7 p.m. our time. So I got to the stadium maybe around 3, got everything done. I could leave. I was like, okay, I live an hour away. I'll, I'll leave. It's, you know, we're. I think we were losing, so I was like, eh. And it's DC United. I didn't really care. I was like, okay, this is just kind of my job at this point. Left the game at halftime. Didn't even get home, and I see that Wayne Rooney did that. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, now I know better to leave a game. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the un- unwritten rule, except for if yeah. you're 5-0 down against Bournemouth yeah. um, <laughs> like a few seasons ago. Um, but we won't go there because it might trigger us. Um, yeah, Aaron, did you have any questions, mate? So the, the main one for me, Paul, is I, when I watch uh, streams over here of, of the three o'clock kickoffs, there seems to be a lot of a lot of hype around the uh, what I think called EPL breakfast or something like that. So where hmm. loads of fans come out to base like a fan park. I was wondering, have you seen many fans? Have you gone to these fan parks before yourself, or have you seen a number of Brighton fans go to these sort of events before? Yeah, so we've had a few events here. NBC does the has the TV rights over here, so they put on the events over here for. Uh, I think it's my PL mornings or something like that, but it's yeah, it's, it's that, definitely, yeah. yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun, especially just you know, being in that environment, having the soccer fans, because obviously, you know, in Baltimore, there aren't a lot of Brighton fans. I don't necessarily go to the pub every Saturday morning and watch the game. Um, but, you know, I've been to, I think I've been to three of those events. So the one in DC, the one in uh, Boston, I flew up to Boston, which is about a two hour flight and back on the same day for that one. And then LA, I had my in-laws live in LA. Um, so I went to that one for the weekend. I went, you know, basically for 48 hours, flew out and came back. Um, and it's just an unbelievable experience. I just being able to see just so many different fans of so many different teams, not even premier league teams, but you know, teams who have, been in the championship for a while just being able to be in that soccer experience yeah um i feel like it's kind of the next best thing to going to a brighton match at the mx or wherever they were playing that i think they were playing manchester city at the etihad that day um it always seems to be that brighton lose when i go to those events though so i (laughs) might sit the next one out but but yeah no it's it's a lot of fun there have been so many Brighton fans that I've met at those events. So even people that I didn't know on Twitter, people who are just, you know, I show up and there are people in Albion kits or with an Albion hat. And it's just like, okay, this is, this is crazy. Like when I was starting to follow the team, I was the only person. And now there are people that I don't even know about that are Albion fans who are watching, who are living and dying with every result. And it's just, it's unbelievable to see how massively we've grown in terms of, you know, on the pitch, obviously it's been unbelievable. But then off the pitch with stateside seagulls, with, you know, the fans over here and being able to watch on NBC or on Peacock, which has been really massive just in terms of being able to grow that supporters group because you know, people are able to watch our games, able to watch how we play, able to hear our story and they connect with us. And that's just been just an unbelievable experience and something I could never have dreamt of when I started stateside seagulls six years ago. Yeah, yeah, for me, it's, it's just it's strange. Like, I, I I supported Brighton since I was four, so two thousand, yeah, ninety nine, yeah, ninety nine, 
and now to know we have such a like a following all across the world is, is crazy to me. It generally is. I still can't really wrap my head around it. The fact yeah. we're playing in the Premier League is one thing, but to know that we've got fans around the world who are, who are watching us week in, week out when they can or listening to us is just mad to me. Crazy. For me, for me it's crazy. I, I think it was a, a boxing event or a UFC event. They panned across the crowd and I saw someone in a Brighton shirt. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what the hell? This is in Las Vegas or something like that. Right. I was like, That's crazy. There's signs like saying Shane Duffy or Lewis Dunk in some places. Yeah. It's just mental. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, do you think then, um, obviously that, that fan base has grown over our journey to the Premier League. Do you think if, God forbid, anything was to happen and we were to drop back to the Championship, that that main core of people would, would stay supporting the Albion? I, d- I really do think so. I think that there's just such a strong base of support in terms of you know, understanding the club itself and understanding where we've come from and, and what the club means. And also, it just logistically speaking, it's a lot easier to follow the Albion wherever they are, Championship, League One, League Two, God forbid, um, because we do get some games that we used to not be able to. So when I started supporting, I couldn't watch any championship games at all. Um, and now we get at least two or three a week on ESPN Plus, the streaming service. Um, it's easier to be able to listen. It's easier to be able to watch YouTube highlights, follow the team on Twitter, have those conversations, You'll be on podcasts or listen to podcasts and understand what's going on with the team. And, you know, having, you know, obviously having stateside seagulls has been really helpful too, because when I started following the team, I didn't have anybody over here that was a fan. So if I stop, stop, if I stopped supporting the Albion, nobody would care. Nobody would know it was whatever. Um, But now that we have stateside seagulls, there's places you can go and watch the games, have a community in New York. It's a huge, it's like 20 or 30 people at this point. So having that community to be able to have those conversations have those Saturday mornings in whatever league you're in. Um, you know, I think that's really been helpful growing the fan base and then maintaining the fan base no matter where we go, because it's just that that close knit support group that you have. And that's just, you know, that's kind of been the goal of Stateside Seagulls. And, you know, I think that it's, you know, whether we're in the, the Champions League or in the championship, I think that we're going to have a strong supporters group here for for years to come. Yeah. Definitely love to hear that. And obviously, um, how much of a part do you think Stateside Seagulls have played then in in branching um, the, the Albion out into the US? Because uh, I, I see you do a lot of work with um, PL, uh, the Premier League in, in the US. That that account tweets mm-hmm. and, and reacts with you quite a bit. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, how, how much do you think that's affected it? Yeah, I, I hate to toot my own horn, but I think that it's definitely really helped out, especially just having that that centralized group having that understanding that there is a supporters group here in the States for the Albion. So I know that there are some clubs that like Everton or Chelsea that have a a verified account that do their own marketing for their club here in the States. But, you know, having a fan led group here for, for Brighton and having a fan led group that cares about the club that has an opinion about the club, but cares about the fans and cares about the community um and really connects or at least tries to connect the experience here in America of following the Albion with the community and the the experience of 
supporting the Albion home and away in Brighton. I think that's really helpful just seeing what it's like on both sides of the pond and being able to have that shared experience, knowing that there's people like me in New York or in Baltimore or in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or in Los Angeles or wherever it is, you know, having that shared experience, knowing where to find games, knowing where to find supporters groups at pubs or, you know, wherever that's really at least been helpful for me seeing how much we've grown and how much the Albion is, you know, it is kind of shown here and how much support we have here. And then also being able to have that base of support to know that, you know, okay, this is, this is helpful. What I'm doing, this is helpful in terms of getting people to support the Albion, know what we're doing, know what our story is and where we can go from here. Yeah, I have to say it is unbelievable work and we're we're so um, privileged to have uh, such a, a fan base in the US as well. Um, I interacted to say with, with quite quite a few of the guys over there um, and they're all sound people, yourself included. So yeah, uh, really fair play uh, to you. Um, let's talk about then uh, obviously this season and, uh, and and the current squad and how, how you're finding things um, at the moment in the Premier League. Obviously really positive. Ninth, we sit ninth at the moment. Uh, three points off of European places. Um, how what positive a large are... gap between us and Palace as well, which it, is pretty good. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. How how positive are you that this will be um, our our highest uh, points tally and our highest finish in the Premier League? I I think it's. I mean, I don't want to say assured at this point because you know anything can happen, but I think it's almost as assured as you can get that we're gonna breeze past forty one points at least. So I, I you know I when I. When the season started, obviously the the goal has always been, you know, avoid the drop, stay in the Premier League, do whatever you can to continue going forward and, and hopefully get to that top 10 goal at some point. Um, but this has just kind of blown me away in terms of how many points we've picked up, how many draws we've picked up, how many draws we could have really gotten wins out of and how far up the table we could be instead of kind of like, okay, we've been locking into draws and this is, you know, this is kind of an anomaly. This isn't necessarily where we belong. We belong probably even higher. And it's just, yeah. it's crazy to think about, you know, especially in terms of where we were when I started supporting the Albion and, you know, where we've been, um, you know, this is, it feels like this is kind of the beginning of something even better. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what, what's been your, we've got 14 games left of the season, I think. 14 or 15, one of them. Yeah, um, like what's been your standout moment this season so far? Then There's quite a few to pick from, but yeah, what, what's been your standout moment? I mean, it has to be, it has to be Mopé against Palace, right? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, most, most moments this season start with <laughs> Mopé against. Exactly, um, exactly. Or someone in the 90th minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly that, um, and obviously that overhead kick, um, another mm, one that's yeah, well up there. Absolutely. Um, on on this podcast as well, we've been um, quite uh, big fans of Dan Byrne. Obviously now left to Newcastle. Um, Aaron, you, uh, I don't know if you've seen <laughs> our podcast, Paul, but Aaron is absolutely in love with Dan Byrne and was absolutely gutted to see him go. Um, it's all right, I, I, you got, got mad at the like, match on the weekend. It's, it's like right. going for a breakout. Send him a Valentine's card. It's okay. <laughs> I, I would say probably until he left one of our players at the season. Um, mm -hmm. His development as well, he's been a little bit of a scapegoat over previous seasons, but his development obviously getting a move to Newcastle. How, how have you viewed that 
Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously I'm happy for him. He's going to his boyhood club. That's obviously got to be really emotional for him and, and a great opportunity, especially, you know, knowing, you know, whether you like it or not, where Newcastle are now and where they're going. Um, in terms of what we got out of it from a Brighton perspective, I think, you know, 13 million pounds is a fantastic value for Dan Byrne. You know, obviously it's a great business decision for us. Um, and then, you know, obviously in terms of the development and, and how Dan Byrne got to be a 13 million pound player and got to be one of our better performers, you know, I, I think it just speaks volumes to the setup that we have, you know, obviously Dan Ashworth leaving, but, you know, having that, that setup that we have now with Graham Potter, with, you know, the coaching staff, with Tony Bloom, obviously, as the owner, it, it's just indicative of, you know, we're not just a club who's going to try to stick around the Premier League, get some loans in, sell some players, buy some cheap players. We're developing from within. We're developing players that we not necessarily even just brought through the, through the academy, but bought like Neil Mopay. I mean, he's grown leaps and bounds since he's come in. Um, so it's just it shows you how much investment we put into the players that are in the squad, how much investment we put into the academy players and how much we can grow with the players that we have and and just, you know, how much um, how much more forward thinking we are than, you know, I think a lot of the other clubs in the Premier League. Definitely. Did you boys have any any, any questions? Aaron, got anything? Go after you, mate. No, go on, um, I was going to say, who do you think has been your standout player of the season, Paul? Um, I mean, I, I, I would have to say Mark Kukure has been absolutely unbelievable. Um, you know what what a signing he's been, especially you know with the the transfer markets. It always seems like we're pretty slow. We're pretty you know calculating in terms of who we bring in, what we bring in, how much money we spend, and you know I think we took a bit of a gamble with his his fee and i think that you know that's nece not necessarily something that we would have done before especially you know with Jurgen Lacadia or with you know players like him where we've kind of spent money and it hasn't really worked out it has just been unbelievable in terms of the value that we've been able to get him Rakukurea and the just the intensity and the pace that he brings into the squad the creativity he's just unlocked so many different potentials in terms of attack and defense and you know, bringing the whole team together to really, you know, kind of grow what we were building last year into kind of the, I wouldn't say finished product this year. Obviously, there are a lot of things we have to work on in terms of, you know, turning those draws into wins, but bringing it more along the lines of, you know, we're finishing 17th, we're doing great defensively, we have a lot of XG, but we're not scoring into you know, we're getting results that we wouldn't have gotten last year. And I think that he's really a key, a key part of that. Mm. How much did we spend on him? I forget. Did 18 million, I think. Yeah, I, I think it was Lampty. just under. Just under yeah, 20. I think I think him and Lamptey have, you know, down the sides have just been so good. And, you know, it's noticeable when we've got them both there. And it's just been yeah. great watching them grow and develop and just play so, so well. So, yeah, I think I agree with you on that. Mark Cook has been outstanding. Yeah, he sure has. Um, and I saw as well that our, um, which doesn't really happen uh, for, for Brighton, that our away form has been better than our home form uh, this yeah, season. Yeah, that is yeah, That's unheard of. Unheard of. So yeah. um, I, I checked the, the away Premier League table because you can change it on the app to just away games. Um, mm. And I think we were like seventh, um, which was obviously That's a little bit better. Wild. And, yeah, and home, we were 13th. 
That's so um, weird. I mean, the home yeah. used to be our fortress, didn't it? You know, back in the day, it, it used did. to just do so yeah. well. The thing, I think, the still the thing is, we don't lose many, home or yeah. away. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly. that's always still only four, isn't it, this season that we've yeah. Yeah, three only four, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're we're not scared of going places like like Anfield, especially after last year. We wanted Anfield, but we're not scared to go anywhere and play anybody on any day. We're just going to go play our game, and if we win, we win. We lose, we lose, but we're going to play our game. Yeah, I think that's, uh, um, yeah, we outplayed Chelsea twice this season, didn't we? Or, yeah. yeah. We got two points out of them, which is crazy. So. Yeah, and that sort of leads um, me to my, my to my question, Paul. Is what's your thoughts on Graham Potter? If he was going to leave, where do you reckon he will go? What are we talking top four club? Are we talking maybe even one higher in taking an uh, international job? Yeah, he's been just unbelievable. You know, obviously when when Chris Hutton left, I was you know I was gutted. I, I didn't really know where we were gonna, where we were going to go from there. Um, but, you know, Graham Potter came in and he's just been growing the team since day one. He's been just, it's been an unbelievable signing for us just in terms of player development, in terms of setting up the squad and and using the assets that we have in ways that I I can't think of anybody else that would have been able to do what he's done at Brighton. Um, And, you know, I, I, don't know what we're going to do when he leaves because you have to think that at some point he's going to, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I think that I, in terms of where he's going to go, I have a sinking suspicion. It's probably going to be, it's probably going to be England, the England national team. It, that just kind of feels like the natural next step for him. I, th- I think um, I'd like yeah. that. I think he'd do quite well. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously I, from a Brian I, I would hate, like, I would hate yeah. it. Um, just being a US fan, we'll never win the World Cup that way. But... <laughs> yeah, fair but, yeah, point. No, I think that's just... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just thinking back to the Hutton Potter transition period. Um, and it's only really just dawned on me that how ballsy that move was from the club. Uh, you think about Chris Hutton with so much Premier League experience um, and experience as a, as a manager and as a coach. Um, to, to get in a guy that, you know, managed at Ostersons, which is an okay level. Obviously, they were in the Europa League um, and then move into Swansea. Not much experience in England, only one season. Um, and then comes to the Premier League. You just think that was a massive risk. But look at look at us now. And um, I wouldn't have it any other way, to be fair. I think the style of football he was playing at Swansea was just an absolute joke. I think I remember there's one game in the FA Cup where they absolutely battered City at home. I remember that one. Yeah. And I, I've never seen a team take it to City like that. And it was a phenomenal. Like they admit they did go on to lose because they, they lost because they didn't have VAR. Um, mm. It was a yeah. dodgy handball and a dodgy offside that got City through. But, uh, and then we would have, I think that's the year we would have played Man City, uh, Swansea in the semi-final as well, I believe. Yeah, because um, I think, oh. do you remember when Carl uh, Walker like, yeah. head, went to headbutt head head yeah. Yamba? Yeah, and they didn't, no one saw that for some reason. So. Human. Yeah. Um, Human. Yeah. And we have um, VAR for that. Yeah, yeah. I know. Mad, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, I just want to then, because um, obviously you supported the club for well, going on 10 seasons now, almost. Yeah, that's um, crazy um, to think about. Yeah. So um, over that time, who's been like your standout player? Who's your favorite player that you've seen in, in the stripes? I think probably my favorite player is Bruno. He's just he was 
when I was in my, I guess, formative years of being a Brighton fan, he was just dominant. He was the guy. He was the captain. He was just such an such a presence on the field and and just in the Brighton community and the, the club itself. And I just, you know, I was captivated to obviously the beard too. I mean, the style <laughs> icon of Bruno, but then also just the presence that he had. And I, you know, he's and obviously he's still at the club. He's doing I. I think he's the attackers coach, which is really weird. Yeah, um, but <laughs> but yeah, no, he's just probably been my favorite player. Him and, and Anthony Knockart, just the play yeah. that, that Knockart would just just absolutely he was unbelievable a on the pitch. He was, he was yeah. He was everywhere. He definitely was. And yeah. oh man. Those days, you know, obviously it was the championship. I'm very much happier with where we are now, but that that team that promotion team probably my favorite team that brighton's had so far a hundred percent um this this one is coming very 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 close to that team um because i absolutely adore what we're about i love the mentality this Mm -hmm. season um i love the spine we've got we obviously the experience we've got as well adam lalana danny welbeck you know those names that you'd only really see them on on tv and not on fifa um which is just yeah, mental. You, you beat me um, to that. I was going to say that. Yeah. People you just buy on a game for your exactly. own team. You're like, ha ha, yeah. I've got these players. Now. And then, and then you can put their name on the, on, on the back of your replica shirt and, and proudly look at it every time. Like every time I see, I've got Lalana on the back of this one. Every time I see it, I'm like, how have we got him? Um, and his performance yeah. at Watford, can I just say? Yeah, very good. Just flawless. Um, Fantastic. I'm sure I, I saw someone put a tweet on saying if he was playing in the snow, he wouldn't leave any marks. He is he, he is that much of uh, just yeah finesse. So much finesse. About He's a professional, him. a really good yeah. professional mm-hmm. football player. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And how lucky we are to ha- have that um, at our club. It's just wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Paul, I'm gonna. This is probably a, a bit of a difficult question, but in the next five years, where would you realistically like to see Brighton lifting at least our second Champions League trophy? <laughs> I'll take yeah. it. I'll take it. <laughs> oh man! Oh uh, yeah. no! I I think that honestly, still top ten, and I think that we'll finish top ten this season. Um, I think probably really anywhere between eighth and twelfth is probably a decent estimate. I think that we could probably qualify for Europe if not this year in the next five years. But I think that, you know, definitely being that solid, solid Premier League club, being, you know, just an ever-present, just growing and continuing to establish the development procedures that we have and growing as a club and just being able to formulate a way to keep everything together and, and establish ourselves as, you know, maybe not, a Leicester winning a Premier League title and and being, you know, pushing up against the top four every year, but, you know, within that kind of next tier. Yeah, definitely. Um, And considering the journey this club's been on, this might be a little bit of an obvious question uh, with how much success we've had. Um, But what's been your standout moment over the last 10 seasons that you've been following the club? I mean, I'd, I'd have to say promotion. Yeah, that was that was the key moment, not only in terms of 
Brighton on the pitch, getting to the promised land finally. Um, but then also, you know, for Stateside Seagulls, that was kind of the formative moment where it wasn't just, you know, a couple of expats and me and, you know, some other people who would watch on the one ESPN plus every now and again, it was, you know, we had, I think we had 79 followers the day we got promoted and now we have 1700. I mean, it's just been massive for the the growth of Brighton as a club and and the premier league as a whole here in the United States to have those games on and to have Brighton in the, in the forefront. Yeah, exactly that. No, fair play to you. It's been, it's been great to have you on, as I say, have you guys got any last questions you wanted to ask at all? Not, not for, not for me. I think uh, I've covered everything. Yeah, amazing. Um, so yeah, as I say, Paul, it's been great to have you on. Um, where can the uh, listeners find you? Yeah, so we're on Twitter and Instagram at bhafc stateside. Uh, we're also on Facebook, stateside seagulls, and we have a website that's under construction right now, statesideseagulls.com. You can join our membership, and we're working on getting some things going with that. Uh, working with the club on some things as well, but. Definitely follow us on Twitter, Instagram. That's Twitter's definitely kind of where where the the big money goes in terms of in terms of my focus. But uh, but yeah, BHAFC stateside. Amazing. Yeah, as I say, thank you for coming on, Paul. Um, keep up the amazing work over the other side of the pond, and uh, uh, we'll we'll speak to you very soon, mate. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. No worries. Take care, guys. Up the Albion. Stay safe and be kind. Bye. 